system, more than 200 health care providers serving residents of Wayne, Pike, and eastern Lackawanna counties in Pennsylvania and the upper Delaware region of New York State. WMH.org. It is 7 o'clock here at WJFF Jeffersonville, your community radio station. Good evening. Welcome to the April edition of Let's Talk Vets. This program is produced by Vets for Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, United States Air Force, 1968 to 1972. Our mission is to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans, active service members, and their families. Well, tonight, for our listeners in Pennsylvania, we've got a couple of great conversations, one with Jeff Legg, who happens to be Director of Veterans Affairs for Wayne County in Holmesdale, and Jeff's going to explain that agency and the services available to Wayne County vets. And Thomas Hansis is the State Commander for Pennsylvania, the VFW. Tom will explain that organization and all the good work they do for veterans, their families, their communities, and the state. But before we get started, here are some notable dates in April. April is the month of the military child, and it is an opportunity to recognize uh, military children, their youth and heroism, character, courage, sacrifices, and continued resilience. April 5th is Gold Star Wives Day, and that is an opportunity to recognize the sacrifice that Gold Star Wives have made. April 14th is Air Force Reserve birthday, and April 21st is Easter Sunday. April 23rd is Army Reserve birthday, and April 25th is uh, Anzac Day in Australia and New Zealand. It is a day of remembrance to measure to rather to remember those and honor those who served and died in military service for their countries. Jeff Legg is director of the Wayne County Veterans Affairs Office in Holmesdale, and uh, they do many things for vets. Some of the things he's going to talk about, some of them are probably, um, you know, not imagined. Uh, the lengths they go to help fellas and, 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 and ladies out who have served this country. There's a, a lot of resources available and a lot of help out there. And uh, we just wanted to have a conversation with Jeff and have him uh, fill you in on all the good things that they do. To be part of our program. In New York State, every county service agency, and their mission is helping veterans to navigate the waters of the bureaucracy of the Veterans Administration and other service agencies that vets may depend upon. Does it work that way, and how does it work in Pennsylvania? It works very similarly. Uh, each county uh, has an office with a director and the ability to assist veterans. So I would say it's very similar to the way the New York State is set up. Uh, a lot of states around the area, like Ohio, are all very similar in the northeast area. Okay, so basically does every county in Pennsylvania have a similar agency? Yes, they do. Okay. And I believe you said in our conversation that some of, some of them aren't uh, full-time. Yeah, each county, depending on their population of veterans, will have different hours, though. And they can all be found on the county websites. Every county website in Pennsylvania has those hours listed. Now, this isn't your only location. Don't you have an outreach program? Did I read that you guys go to another area? Uh, yes, uh, as needed. Uh, if a veteran, it's easier to go around. So there's an area of aging centers in Wayne County. 
So I will meet veterans here locally in Holmesdale or in Hamlin or in Hawley. We'll pretty much go out to wherever the veteran needs to be met, depending on you know, what their situation is. Okay. So do you find that many vets are reluctant to seek help? And as we were talking about a little while ago, government uh, in general, and that being the case, what's your approach to establishing trust? You know, I think a lot of veterans who have never dealt with the VA before or dealt with it, they're, they are very eager to learn. It's those veterans that have dealt with the VA and maybe had a bad experience in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I just try to convince them and show them examples about how, you know, the agencies have changed, the benefits have changed, and it's something they definitely want to seek out because they've earned these benefits. These aren't like, these are, these, these are their rights. So I make sure that they understand that and that it's definitely worth spending a little bit of a time investigating it and that we're here to help them. So actually there's not a lot of work for them to do. And the fact that you're a veteran uh, helps. Definitely. Here in, uh, in the state of Pennsylvania, to be, to be the director, you have to be a veteran. So if you go to one of these county uh, outreach locations, the director themselves is going to be a veteran. Okay. So your website calls attention to, I'll, I'll call it a form for one of a better term, Trends Registry which appears to me to be the first step for a vet to fill out when they need something. And uh, I guess that's kind of acts as your guide going forward. Yeah, so the Pennsylvania Registry is a, an attempt of the state of Pennsylvania to be able to contact and understand and know where all the veterans in Pennsylvania are because, you know, the regulations and the laws with the VA are constantly changing. So it's that first point of contact that a veteran can do to ensure they're going to get all the updates and changes and that we as a county know where all our veterans are. So if, uh, as an example, so if we're going to do a ceremony honoring Vietnam veterans, there's a way for me to get that information to those veterans. Okay. And um, how do you guys stay up to date on all the changes with the VA? I mean, it seems like it's almost changing daily. Uh, yeah, so in Pennsylvania, we do uh, two conferences a year. One conference is where we recertify ourselves as veteran service officers, and the other conference is for directors. So it's about every six months we go to a conference, and then uh, the state of Pennsylvania pushes out all the updates through, like, email and things like that, but we're directly at a conference twice a year learning all the changes. What does a veteran service officer have to do to be certified? What are some of the requirements in general? You need to be a subject matter expert on all the forms that are provided and all the benefits and how a person would qualify and not qualify. Certainly, how to track those benefits from the time of application to completion. Because as we all know, like it is a, a bureaucracy and that paperwork can be daunting at times for veterans. So not only do we help them fill out the paperwork, but then we, like I check on it monthly and we make sure we're checking in with the veteran and we're with the veteran all the way through. So you stay in touch with the veteran and give him or her updates on their claim or whatever you're working on as you get them? Yes. Okay. Just kind of in general, going through the services and the, the things that you provide from this office to veterans. Hi, veterans, is it's almost impossible to tell them all the benefits. So I a life change or a major life event, you should at least take the time to reach out to a veteran service officer to see how that changes your benefits. Uh, there's a lot of things that deal with surviving spouses and the criteria to meet them is very difficult to explain. So it's best just to reach out to your veteran service officer to ask those questions so we can get you the most up-to-date information. And as you said, the laws are always changing. So what was true today might not be true in a year when a big life event happens. The largest ones that we pro that I see we process here in Wayne County and help veterans with is uh, compensation and pension claims. That's getting veterans the health care they need for that uh, disability that they incurred in service and also getting them compensation for it. And then the uh, Pennsylvania program to real estate, if a veteran is uh, rated 100% disabled, property tax in the state of Pennsylvania as long as they're a resident. And then the other big one is, is what we talked about, the health care, uh, linking up the veteran with the hospital and also the outreach clinics that are available. Because sometimes veterans believe they have to drive all the way to Wilkes-Barre to be seen I can't go to my local doctor. And, and a lot of those issues can be worked through on an individual basis to ensure they're being cared for. I know they just changed the rules about getting care. It used to be if you're so many miles from a VA clinic or a VA hospital, but now it's been changed, I believe, to traveling time versus mileage. It it definitely has been. I would also say, like, every hospital is so different. Uh, as an example, 
Certain mm-hmm. hospitals don't have certain skills there. Immediately, those will be allowed to be done on the economy. You know, I just helped a, a local veteran here. We just worked on a program where his local doctor here agreed to take the payment scale of the local doctor. Uh, so, like I said, it's definitely an individual-based system, but I think having an advocate for the veteran when they're going through the process at the hospital is definitely beneficial because they have another avenue to add to, and they're overwhelmed in that appointment. On the on the par with like Medicare, I believe so. Yeah. So there's yeah. As we walk through the, the the ones we help people with, obviously there's a lot of basic ones there. Uh, if you don't have a copy of your DD form two fourteen, I can assist you in getting that. Uh, if you need a copy of your medical records from the government, I can we assist veterans in getting that. Pennsylvania directly has a separate pension for blind veterans, a separate pension for amputee veterans, and runs things directly that the state of Pennsylvania does and already state tax. What's a state home, state veterans home? Uh, the local one we have here in the area would be called Gino Murley. It is a, uh, a state-ran veterans home. Uh, it does all levels of care. They actually have a uh, veteran service assigned just to that home who's a specialist at it for aging veterans or veterans who need assisted living. Like a, uh, an assisted living or an old age type home? Exactly, okay. yes. And they're spread throughout the state of Pennsylvania. Would they also go there for therapy if they were in the hospital for something, and like for physical therapy or to get back on their feet? Uh, no, it is not a rehab center okay. per se, but if... If you're in the VA system, they will allow you to do rehab in your location, individual basis, as all healthcare is mainly individual basis. Okay. I see we have some pensions here. What's the difference between a, a benefit while serving and a pension? Uh, the pensions, the pensions at the federal government level are need-based pensions. So at the at the VA level, meaning the federal government, there is a pension for surviving spouses, and there's a pension for veterans. And that will, uh, the income levels are different for each one, but that will ensure your income. So that's need-based. That's need-based. The Pennsylvania pensions that we've spoken about, the vet, the blind and the amputee, Argentina pays to veterans who gave that, that caused that to happen. Over and above the federal government? Over and above the federal government, okay. yes. And there is no uh, income limits to those pensions. Mm-hmm. Are those are those uh, benefits taxable, do you know? Or? They are not taxable. They're not taxable. Okay, Persian Gulf conflict veterans bonus so the persian golf conflict veterans bonus recently ran out uh it was a program that went on for 10 years to pay a one-time stipend payment depending on time and service in the persian gulf during the first gulf war okay how does the educational assistance or educational gratuity work uh, the state of Pennsylvania has a program to assist veterans who are rated 100% disabled okay. in working through their veterans' uh, benefits to ensure their children and they themselves can get educational support. Okay. Is that need? Get a decal put on their license plate and also on their driver's license. Okay. Uh, for for the county here in Wayne County, we have a veterans discount card we offer veterans. Uh, probably 90% of the local establishments in this area are on there. And uh, it gives them another forward, and it gives them those benefits in the t- area around us. Does that serve as a what they put on an airplane? Can I present that in it, lieu of a passport? Or it does not. Now the you're in the state of Pennsylvania, they have the real ID, which will the have that thing. happen. Yeah. So once you upgrade to that, that'll have the veteran thing, mm-hmm. and that'll be there. Military family relief. What's that all about? So there's the the military family relief, and I'll also group that into the veterans temporary assistance, and and that's where I was talking about. Uh, ensuring that if you so one of those are for our national guard and reservists who might be going through through financial difficulties because of an activation or a training for the other one the top one there was just veterans that's veterans who might be hardship in the state of pennsylvania has grants and other programs to assist them so uh, it really does need to be done on a case-by-case basis but there's definitely programs out there that if you're a veteran or you're a family member of an active duty service member of the national guard reserves here in pennsylvania you should definitely reach out and uh, contact your veteran service officer to see if those uh, you meet the criteria for those programs. Could you walk us through a hypothetical issue that a veteran brought to you, um, and how how you helped resolve for, for the veteran? Well, yeah, I, I think a good example of that is just understanding the system and and how the VA works and having the expert on your side. A, a veteran came in here, seen in the VA hospital, and he tried to get. Uh, 
hearing aids. He's not service connected. He'd just be seen there. And the veteran was told no. So by having that uh, expert on hand who understands the process, it was actually just a timing issue with the veteran. The VA hospitals work on a budget, and when the money runs out for the year, they have no more hearing aids to give. So just ensuring that veteran scheduled the appointment at the right time so that way the budget is there, we were able to get that veteran's hearing aid. So it goes as a simple thing like that to assist a veteran who's not getting assistance to taking a veteran who has some Agent Orange issues, and here he's been not receiving his benefits for it. You know, he's been struggling in his home, struggling to, to pay the bills because those issues from Agent Orange stop him from working. We're able to not only take him and get him the, the care he needs, but we're able to walk him through the process. So a, a month-long uh, process to make sure we're getting you those those benefits you, you require. Kind of like we're over the hump with the Blue Water Navy question about Agent Orange benefits. It does sound that way, but I know the judge recently ruled allowing uh, that process, but you know, obviously that needs to be put out in a law and pushed out. So right. there's also a bill in the Senate that was approved by the House of Representatives this summer that would have done the exact same thing and allowed it. Mm-hmm. So those, those are two avenues where, you're right, we can go over the hump with Blue Water veterans and they can start receiving their benefits. You folks obviously get involved with veterans transitioning back to civilian life, and you're a veteran after... 20 years? Yes. Did you find it um, a challenge to transition back to civilian life? Oh, yeah. It was definitely a challenge, and it's probably what made me uh, seek out this opportunity to help veterans here. I I think that's the one uh, group of veterans we need to make sure we reach out the most to so we don't get them their benefits early, get them set up with the VA early, and reach them early so they understand their benefits. And we don't, we fix the problems we had with past generations that did not seek out or under even late 50s and late 60s. And they could have been helped this whole time. So we can uh, begin to reach different spectrums. I just thought I brought a, I just thought I brought a unique perspective as a recently separated veteran. How, uh, what I would have liked to have happened with me and how that process, how we can benefit veterans just getting out of the military and coming back to our county, how we integrate them work wise healthcare wise and just make sure you know they're a productive citizen who carries on what they learned in the military. So I guess if there were one word on your job description it would be advocate. Yes, definitely advocate. Okay. And so you you also interface not only with the VA and and you interface with uh, other human services agencies in in the area in the county. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of veterans who are looking for employment and things like that. So those are two main avenues, but we interface with all the county services uh, know of us, and when they have an issue and they see it over, and I do the same. If there's not a veteran service to help that veteran, we can refer them to another agency. About how many cases are handled, and let's let's define that a little bit more. How many cases are in process here in any given month? Yeah, currently I've ha- operated about a 40 federal caseload and about 20 state of Pennsylvania cases, so about 50 ongoing cases at a time. And on average, you end up talking to, who I would say, about 40 a month, mm-hmm. either through a telephone or actually showing up to see me. And I suppose it's like everything else. I used to say in, in, in business that it's, it's kind of like playing golf every round there's one or two shots that make you want to come back. So I would imagine that every month you have some successes and you resolve some stuff every month, right? Oh, absolutely, definitely. We definitely have successes. And what I try to do is there's so many benefits out there for like a veteran, whether it be federal. I'm not sure if a veteran's come in here yet where I've told him there's no available service for you. You know, there's there's a service out there to help a veteran. It's just a matter of finding it and matching it up. It might not be the one the veteran wants the most because he might just not qualify for it. But if you have, like I said, federal, state, and county benefits, you can find a benefit to support that veteran. Mm-hmm. Obvious question, but I guess any veteran is eligible for your services. Absolutely. Any, any veteran or family member of a veteran. Is that contingent on a, a, a good conduct discharge or uh, less than dishonorable? I, I, I would say no. Oh. Any veteran come get help because there's obviously some uh, veterans out there that are, you know, concerned about their discharge and may want to try to upgrade that discharge. And we would still 
help that veteran explain to him the process of how to do that through your congressman and, and things like that. So I would say absolutely, no matter what your discharge is, tell you what benefits you have, don't have, and help. Obviously, the worse discharge you have, the less benefits you're going to qualify for. But I think it's really important we make that clear to the veterans so they're not, you know, sitting at home with misinformation. Correct. Your hours of operation? Uh, yes, my hours of operation here, we do walk-ins on a, every Friday from 9 to 2, and then appointments uh, any other time needed. So, you know, get on, get in contact with that veteran and work out the location and the time that works best. Because, you know, every veteran works a different schedule. Every veteran has different hours. Show up and uh, meet your normal business hours of a location. Information. Oh, uh, yeah. Information. The phone number, uh, the Wayne County Veterans, is 570-253-5970, extension 3114. And uh, as every county office is going to have a website on their county website. You can find it through you know, just going to that website and going to Veterans. You can always stop into the office, too. We're located at 314 10th Street in Holmesdale. I want to thank you on behalf of our listeners. And uh, the show is called Let's Talk Vets. Second Wednesday of every month, your time and valuable time and insight has been much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jeff. informative interview with Jeff Legg, who is the director of the Wayne County Veterans Affairs Office, which just happens to be in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. 42 degrees outside in Jeffersonville and elsewhere, and you're listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF, your community radio station. All right, we've come to that part of the program now where it's time for some news, uh, national and regional news, and uh, some things of local interest. So we're going to start with the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition in partnership with the Sullivan County Chamber of Commerce announced um, a little, little while back, American Veterans Traveling Tribute Wall is coming to our area this year. The wall will be displayed at the Rock Hill Fire Department Park September 11th through the 14th. Uh, This display is an 80% replica of the wall in uh, Washington, D.C., and it spans 360 feet and is approximately 8 feet tall at the apex with a flag display flown over the wall. Organizers are seeking donations, which are tax-deductible sponsorships and volunteers to help set up and to help take down and escort visitors needing assistance at that time. Um, the keynote speaker will be a gentleman by the name of Carl, Carl Rohde, who is director of the Putnam County Veterans Service Agency. He's a Vietnam veteran and a Silver Star recipient. Now, checks can be made payable to SCVC Wall Fund, P.O. Box 1527, Monticello, New York, 12701. For more information, you may contact Rocky Ortega, at 845-665-3171 or at email rqortega at yahoo.com or Howard Goldsmith at 845-791-1030. That's goldsmithhow at yahoo.com for the email. Uh, Dateline Washington Secretary of Veterans Affairs Robert Wilkie recently announced an increase in the department's goals for contracting with service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, and veteran-owned small businesses. For fiscal year 2019, the VA seeks to award at least 15% of its total contract dollars to service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses and service uh, small uh, veteran-owned small businesses, uh, representing a 5% increase in both goals, a significant change not noted since 2010. This increase reflects the department's highlighted emphasis on contracting with such firms after the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in Kingdomware Technologies versus the United States in 2016. 
Wilkie said, quote, three years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court underscored our mandate to do business with service disabled and other veteran entrepreneurs, unquote. Wilkie also said, quote, we have increased the dollar awarded to each year, but now it's time to update the goals and reflect this new commitment. We need to lock our gains that we've made and continue to build for the future. In FY 2017, the last year for which official data is available, the VA awarded $5.1 billion to contracts with service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses and $4.5 billion to veteran-owned small businesses. These figures represent 19.5 and 20.6% respectively of the VA's total procurement of $26.1 billion. Dateline Washington, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs VA researcher, was recently recognized by the American Academy of Audiology for his uh, work in improving the lives of veterans and others affected with hearing loss. Dr. Patrick Feeney was presented the 2019 uh, Jurger Career Award for Research in Audiology by the American Academy of Audiology's annual meeting in March 29th. The Jurger Award is given annually to an investigator whose research contributions have significantly impacted the practice of audiology. Over the past 30 years, Feeney's research has focused on peripheral and central auditory, auditory function with veterans and others. Quote, hearing loss and tinnitus have long been um, strong among disabilities affecting veterans, said VA Secretary Robert Wilkie. The innovative research conducted by Dr. Feeney and his team is critical to finding ways to address these issues. Feeney currently directs the National Center of Rehabilitative Auditory Research at the VA Portland Healthcare System in Oregon, NCRAR, funded by the VA Rehabilitation Research and Development, is the only VA research center dedicated to the discovery and delivery of innovative solutions for veterans with hearing impairments. Dateline, Washington. There is hope yet, folks. They huddled together on a House floor conferring over what to do on a tough vote. They exchanged group texts to consult on legislation and plan for the, quote, increasingly rare after-work drink, often with bitmojis that capture the mood for the day. They're frequently spotted walking together on Capitol Hill, huddled in what seems like an endless inside joke. Among these 67 new Democrats in Congress, 10 served in the military or intelligence agencies, which has shaped a tight and quite visible bond. All, def- all of them defeated Republicans in arduous races last year, many in 31 districts carried by President Trump in the 2016 presidential election. Their backgrounds are in the military where nonpartisanship is key and have also made them amongst the most moderate members of the caucus in which they are increasing under increasing pressure to slide firmly to the left on various policy issues. Quote, I don't care how I or I don't rather know how I would be here without them, said Representative Chrissy Houlihan, Democrat of Pennsylvania and former Air Force officer. Each of us has broken with the party for different reasons, she said, adding, it's nice to have a smaller group to talk about all this, what all this means. Often they're among a handful of Democrats to vote with Republicans on politically charged gotcha issues, and uh, the majority had routinely rejected out of hand one crucial case helping pass a gun bill targeting undocumented immigrants. Knowing that they are critical to delivering the House back to their party, veterans seem unbowed for now to pressures from some Democrats to adhere to party lines, and many of them did not back Nancy Pelosi for House Speaker, and she has repeatedly begged Democrats not to vote with Republicans on what she views as, quote, essentially nuisance measures, unquote. Speaker's office is inordinately powerful, and we need to have work really hard to make this body egalitarian, said Representative Max Rose, Democrat of New York, who was a platoon leader in Afghanistan. The freshmen want to reduce seniority power, and the vets are leading the way in that effort. San Antonio, 
<clears throat> Six weeks ago, Army Specialist Alec Alcazar and his working dog Alex turned the corner of a narrow street outside Bagram Airfield just after dawn and saw a young Afghan coming toward them. The San Antonio Express News reports two Afghan and three Czech soldiers moved between Alcazar and the civilian to conduct a search while he called the dog back and bent down to get a cigarette. Suddenly, there was a bright flash, and Alex yelped, and Alcozer went down hard. Uh, it was a suicide bomber that was coming toward them. Uh, the dusty, smoky air turned yellow and orange as a firefight broke out, in the, but the dog stayed at his side. I would yell at him, Alcozer said. His ears would twitch, but then he'd look at me. And Alcozer, 22 of San Antonio, said, I think he was in a state of shock. He didn't growl. He didn't bark. Didn't even cry. He just stayed right there. On Friday, they were together once more, this time at South Texas Veterans Healthcare Systems Polytrauma Rehabilitation Center. It is an emotional reunion for the Herringdale High School graduate, wiping tears from his eyes at one point while Alex licked his face. It was the first time they had seen each other since they were both in Washington, D.C., receiving the Purple Heart. If all goes well, the rehab will be over in the next few months, and they'll be together uh, for good, buddies for life. They were close in Afghanistan, and Alcozer was six and a half months into a nine-month deployment when they got hurt. And they were together pretty much everywhere Alcozer went, except at the dining hall. On his days off, they slept in the same bed, rising late and enjoying the leisure time. On duty days, they had their rituals. On the day of a mission, he'd wake up. I would give him a doggy treat, and I'd get some ice cream before we went out. When we got back, we usually slept, Alcosa recalled. That was a normal day for me and Alex out there, he said, adding that the taste for sweets was born out of association with troops and special operations forces, where it's kind of their thing to eat sweets before a mission because you never know if it's going to be your last. The August 5th suicide bomber's blast left Alcosa with shrapnel wounds and broken bones. He also had a mild traumatic brain injury, but his physical medicine and rehabilitation specialist, Dr. Blessin Apen, said that Alcosa escaped the explosion without any loss of cognitive ability. Alex, on the other hand, lost his rear leg near his hip, and both are learning to get around. Uh, Snapshots show Alex reluctantly settling into an underwater treadmill at Joint Base San Antonio-Lackland. Alcozer took shrapnel in about 30% of his body, uh, most of it in his lower extremities. Some of it continues to work its way out slowly and often very painfully. The list of broken bones is long and includes both arms and both legs. He walks with a cane and a walker. And Alex sometimes limps around but occasionally moves as quickly as a dog with all four legs. When, when they say polytrauma, he's got multiple history, injuries, multiple fractures, and he's pretty badly hurt, as Dr. Epen said. There are goals to reduce Alcozer's dependence on opioids and, in time, get him well enough to start work at the Center for the Intrepid at JBSA Fort Sam Houston. They're estimating about four to six months, and I'm already a month and almost a half in, and I'm already walking, so I think I'm going to beat that time, he said. Either way, the doctors say they have a pretty good chance of making a full recovery, and that's all that matters. I've got to get back to my dog. That's the important part. In the military, is aviation getting any safer? Well, new mishap data shows mixed results. Last spring, Military Times reported that the Navy and Marine Corps and Army and Air Force's aircraft were in deep trouble. Manned aviation accidents spiked almost 40% over the past five years, killing 133 service members since 2013. More catastrophic crashes followed, and Congress got laser-focused on the problem. After multiple hearings, lawmakers injected $39.4 billion into this year's budget, Quote, to begin to overcome the crisis in military aviation by getting more aircraft into the air, unquote. Capitol Hill also passed legislation creating the National Commission on Military Aviation Safety. No one expected a quick fix. The 213 budget cuts, known as sequestration, had contributed to a hollowing out of the maintainer force as an exodus of skilled pilots had left 
had left aircraft without spare parts, rendering them unable to fly. At the same time, intensified air operations against the Islamic State back-to-back years when Congress was unable to pass a budget on time compounded the program and uh, the problem rather, and accidents climbed. So now one year later, and again, through multiple Freedom of Information requests, Military Times obtained an updated data report on every major aviation accident that has occurred during the past year or so to answer the question, are things getting better? For too many military families, the answer is no. Military aviation accident deaths hit a six-year high in fiscal year 2018, killing another 38 pilots and or crew. On most recent deaths, 24 were killed in training flights. Two uh, crew were killed by rotor blades. Another died when an HH-60H Navy Pavehawk fuel tank dropped and struck him. Eleven died in non-hostile aviation accidents that occurred while they were deployed. For comparison, that same time frame, 25 service members died in attacks in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. But there is good news also. The total number of military aviation accidents fell last year for the first time since the 2013 budget cuts. Anderson Air Force Base in Guam... Personnel used pesticide pool chlorinator in the drinking water, so found the Guam EPA. Anderson Air Force Base in Guam has been fined by the Territory's Environmental Protection Agency for using pool chlorination tabs that were classified as a pesticide to sanitize some of its drinking water. Anderson said the release on Saturday that it used the pool time chlorination tabs to sanitize the water for a half-million-gallon storage tank that provided waters to facilities on its northwest field. But those chlorination tabs have been classified by Guam EPA as a pesticide, Anderson said. The uh, base said it stopped using those tabs as soon as it found out. Anderson said that while dechlorination tabs or chlorination tabs are improperly used, the water was safe to drink at all times. Both Guam EPA and Anderson Air Force Base concluded that the use of pool-time chlorination tabs would not result in any adverse health effects, Anderson said in the release. Anderson Air Force Base conducts routine analysis of its water supply and at no point deemed it unsafe. You are listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF, your community radio station. Thomas Hansis is the state of Pennsylvania commander of the VFW. And uh, we had a nice conversation a little while back. We hope you'll enjoy it. He's going to explain what the VFW does and some of the great programs that they do for the organization, certainly for veterans, for their state. Here's Thomas Hansis. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Please share with our listeners when the Veterans of Foreign Wars was established. Well, the Veterans of Foreign Wars was established well over 100 years ago. Uh, a group got together to address the needs of veterans back in the early wars. That's basically how uh, the group got started. I think it was in 1899. So how has the mission evolved over the years? You know, obviously that vet veterans group back then in 1890, they all became a separate entity. But the uh, the mission itself, I don't really think the mission has changed very much. Uh, the mission is to help veterans and veterans' families. So how large is the organization today in terms of members, auxiliary, posts? The organization now uh, probably sits at about uh, uh, 1.6, 1.7 million uh, VFW, and aux- VFW auxiliary members, and we have about uh, 6,350-so posts uh, throughout the world. And one of the things that you really concentrate on is um, to affect uh, legislative change for our veterans? Correct. Uh, I'm sure, as you're aware and your listeners are aware, that as time changes, obviously your voice needs to be heard. And the voices that need to be to hear us 
are most certainly our political and legislative leaders. Our mission is to uh, uh, make sure we stay in contact with them, to let them know what we feel is best for the veterans and community we represent. All right, so your outreach is, is pretty broad here. I'm going to go through some of the programs that I saw on your website and ask you just to say a few words on each one, if that's okay? Yes, that's fine. Okay, we're going to start with a, a group of four programs under Youth Scholarship. They are the Voice of Democracy, the Patriot's Pen, the Scout of the Year, and the Teacher of the Year. As you stated, youth programs, uh, uh, we just recently had our uh, Voice of Democracy uh, contest uh, down in Pittsburgh. We had it, and, you know, as usual, uh, it's a very successful program. We probably, nationally, probably all together with all the states, we're, there's probably over 33,000, 34,000 students they receive uh, Voice of Democracy scholarships uh, throughout the country, and it's and probably well over $100,000 in monetary donations are donated by Veterans of Foreign Wars for that particular program. Uh, it, is, it is a core program for the youth of America. So what do the scholarships typically run, 100 bucks, 200 bucks? Every post has a participant, and they usually get a, a smaller scholarship in the Moosa District, uh, then it moves to the state, and now, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, beginning of March, I'll, I'll be in Washington, D.C., and they'll have the national contest for the student from all over the country will come to Washington, D.C., and they'll, they'll select them, the winners there. Now, the state contest, the first-place winner, I think, is uh, 5000 I think, and then it's uh, 4000 3000 2000 But every winner that makes it to the state level receives at least $1,000 scholarship. And... I have to believe that the Patriots' pen is a, an essay contest, huh? Yes, exactly. The Patriot pen is indeed an essay contest from our uh, six to eighth graders. You know, it, it's not quite as large as the Voice of Democracy, but it's still it's a stepping stone to the Voice of Democracy program. Uh, you know, most certainly the patriotism and, and love of America are always at the core of both the Patriot pen and the Voice of Democracy programs pretty much uh, start at the grassroots level and, and, and work their way up through, as you said, uh, you know, territory, state, uh, national. Right. Is that the same for the Scout of the Year award? Uh, usually the Scout of the Year is, uh, is an Eagle Scout, uh, someone who has, uh, has, has done a project in their community or, or, or helped an, an elderly person uh, in their community with uh, – uh, building a ramp or, or, or something or rebuilding a monument or, or something in their community. And and that also uh, is a national award for it. Also. So the Voice of Democracy and the Patriots Pen, what is the, the character of those essays? I mean, you know, uh, in the Voice of Democracy, well, first off, the topic each year for each one of them programs uh, is determined by the national commander. Whoever the national commander is that year determines the topic. Uh, for the uh, Voice of Democracy and Patriot Pen essays. You know, uh, the Voice of Democracy, not only it can either be a, a CD or a thumb drive or whatever, but the presentation is the key. Uh, the young man or young lady that present their speech and, it, you know, develops uh, their character and uh, their speaking ability and uh, the body of what they have in their, in their essay. And the Patriot Pen is more of a, uh, just a written essay. Uh, you know, I, I sat as a judge, and I, I was just uh, absolutely amazed that, uh, that they're all so close. Uh, usually have four or five judges, and there's only a tenth of a point that uh, separates them. And how about the teacher of the year? Teacher of the year is most certainly a teacher that uh, that has devoted a large part of her life uh, passing on Americanism and patriotism to her students. We have three grade levels of the teacher of the year. Kindergarten through five, uh, six to eight, and nine to twelve. So I suspect that somebody uh, would nominate the teacher of the year. That is correct. Post usually nominates them. They proceed to each level, and they are judged at each level until they get to the national level, and they're they're judged there, and then they select uh, three teachers for teacher of the year. Okay, along that same uh, vein of teachers, educational outreach. There are three. Uh, Echoes from the Wall, Educational Brochures, and Veterans in the Classroom. They're very important programs. You know, we have many, many programs where schools ask veterans to come in to speak. Uh, we are losing our World War II veterans uh, very rapidly, and now we're losing our Korean veterans very rapidly. 
so much of that history is being lost every day. And we, we try to share that with the students in the classroom. Uh, the educational brochures, we have the echoes uh, from the walls up. You know, I was in a ceremony uh, about uh, last year, a Vietnam moving wall in the upper part of uh, Mansfield, which is very close to me. Just be amazed at the uh, veterans that, uh, you know, they, they just couldn't even really talk. You know, they just were speechless. And uh, we tried to get our veterans to speak more about what they've done, uh, what they've experienced, you know, with the general public. So we know we have future reference to that. Well, I, I think it's admirable in this, that uh, one of the primary objectives for your organization is to make sure that people remember lessons learned the hard way. You know, when I came back from Vietnam at uh, at 18 years old, hardly at that time, uh, nobody wanted to be a Vietnam veteran. Be one. <laughs> you know what I mean? How 50 years, 60 years have changed things. It's changed it for the better. I, I think we're, the experiences we had, most certainly we never forgot but we also learned that, hey, the Warriors coming back, they did what they were told to do as we did. Okay, I, I see a youth activities. I guess that's aside from educational outreach. The Veterans of Foreign War support schools for activities, uh, students students going on, on trips, on, on foreign trips and stuff. It, uh, except as our industry has declined, there is really uh, no stuff. Uh, for support or ask for donations. And our posts uh, on work with all the other VSOs have become a pivotal part in, in youth. I mean, it's a place they can come, uh, a place that, uh, that they feel comfortable coming, a place that uh, their family feels comfortable bringing them. Uh, what we do in our communities is very important to what, what our membership will become. So I guess that philosophy ties right into Veterans Affairs Voluntary Services? You know, we live in a society, we are becoming very close to as many takers as we have givers. This voluntary thing is just uh, an amazing part of all, also what we do with uh, uh, the veterans of foreign wars, reaching out to veterans who need help or, or veterans who don't un- understand the benefits that they rightly earn. Uh, you know, sometimes they need they need a little help to steer them in the right direction to, or whatever needs to be done. Uh, most certainly the veterans of foreign wars is there to help them. And a lot of veterans, uh, very proud people, and a lot of them don't want to ask. You know, I run into them all the time. The very first question I ask them, are you in the veterans' VA system? And usually they'll say, no, you know, I never needed it to be. But as I try to, you never know what the situation is going to bring you. Uh, when you retire or something or you lose your job, you may very well need some VA assistance. And it's nice to have that plan to fall back on and then. The VA has uh, it's a lot better now than it ever was before, I believe, at least in my eyes. Okay, under the heading of troop support, I see a, a bunch of things like military assistance program and adopt a unit and care packages. I have to believe those are in support of active units? They are indeed in support of active uh, units. Uh, the MAP program, military assistance program, encompasses a lot of different little programs, uh, we used to have uh, call and calling cards, a veteran uh, home on leave, cars breaks down, had some misfortunate luck. We put them up for the night. Uh, there are a multitude of programs at the MAP uh, program. Uh, is also for active units, uh, both the Guard and the Reserve, care packages, not only overseas, but we also send packages out to veterans uh, that are just joined the military or, or in the military in the States. So if their unit needs something, we package it up, we send it to them, so there's enough for their whole unit. How about uh, what are VFW unmet needs? Unmet needs at a VFW could be a range of things. A veteran came back from uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and uh, his furnace goes out, uh, or his car blows up, or he's having trouble making ends meet. That's where the VFW unmet needs comes in. It assists veterans who have been uh, maybe run on a little bit of bad luck or something and assist them uh, both monetarily and also with uh, of ideas where to go to get some additional help. So using your example, a guy comes home and he has he's just back off deployment or recently discharged and he has a problem with the utility in his house or his car breaks down. How does he contact, I mean, what does he do? Well, it, <clears throat> the easiest way to do 
would be just call our VFW Harrisburg office or call VFW in his local area, and then they would refer him uh, to our headquarters, who, who would then either assist him or her there, and additional assistance could be done at the national level. But we do most of the assisting of our veterans that contact us in Pennsylvania right through our Harrisburg office. They, they receive uh, monetary assistance and also uh, uh, educational or beneficial information that would uh, direct them in the right direction. How about the VFW Sports Clips Help a Hero Scholarship? What is that? Uh, the Sports Clip Foundation uh, have joined the VFW, and they give a dollar or two for every haircut that they have. Uh, they get and they put it into a scholarship fund, and that scholarship fund is passed out every year uh, to help veterans, you know, in, that apply for their scholarship. It's another one of them programs that very few people know about because you don't associate sports clips with veterans of foreign wars. But they have donated millions of dollars over the years, not only to our local Pennsylvania program, but to the national program. I remember the last year when I was in Kansas City at the national convention that one of our, our prime supporters with sports scripts, and it was it was in the millions of dollars that they have donated uh, to their scholarship programs. Uh, another one very similar to sports scripts is Burger King. We have transacted with certain franchises, not only in Pennsylvania but throughout the throughout the country, who give a portion of their uh, their sales they put into a fund. There are two two private companies that have joined forces. Okay, I have one here. I believe it says I Student Veteran. There is. The Veterans of Foreign Wars have realized that we have many, many veterans who have served their country and come back, uh, benefited of, of the, uh, the GI Bill that they have received, and have gone back to school. So we have many student veterans' rooms on campuses, uh, such as Mansfield University. Penn State has one. Most of the major universities have student veterans associations, and we feel that we have to look at every end to veterans back and show them what we do care about our younger veterans. Yeah, transition can be a rough any vet, uh, let alone one that's in combat. So, uh, matter of fact, I just was about 15 miles from here, and they just have a beautiful room for uh, student veterans, and it's just a place for them to go. You know, away. You know, it's a safe place, a quiet place for them to go to study. It's really nice, and they're like that at all the universities. It's surprising the number of student veterans that are enrolled in colleges, uh, not only in Pennsylvania, but throughout the country. Well, that's good. Once in a while you read a story, uh, I think University of Colorado had a group that was telling veterans that they didn't want them there. Yeah. Okay, what are the primary differences between the VFW or and other military service organizations? Well, I like to think the Veterans of Foreign Wars is a very unique operation, it, it, it is what the, what the what the title says. It's veterans of foreign wars. Uh, it's foreign wars and conflicts that have been they're returned by the Congress of the United States uh, to make you eligible to be a VFW member. That set up these uh, these dates and countries that servicemen have served to be eligible to be a member of the veterans of foreign wars. So I think the uniqueness of that is the the. Uh, uh, the friendship and the uh, camaraderie of its members uh, are elite. I just had one a member tell me the other day that he walked into a VFW and, and they asked him to show his card that he was a member. And I said, and uh, I'm always proud to show my card. I'm happy to show my card. Uh, and there's a little different. I'm the prejudice, but I think ours is the most prestigious because we all serve in the, in the foreign area, which was under which was in combat conditions, and I think that makes us uh, somewhat elite organization. And I, as a matter of fact, hey, looking to the future, what would be one major goal for the? I just talked to the uh, commander in chief last night on the phone, and we we spoke briefly about this. You know, many many people throughout our country do not know if you went to the mass and what the veterans of foreign wars VFW what is it probably. A great number would say they really don't know because for years we have done everything out of the goodness of our heart, which we'll continue to do, but we have failed to let people know. We failed to let our communities know. We failed to, to let everyone know what we do. We have to get outside of our doors and start to let our communities and everyone around us be fully aware 
of what of the millions of dollars. Last year in Pennsylvania, I'll give you an example. We were well over seven million dollars in donations to our community, and <clears throat> well over four hundred thousand community service hours. And probably, I would say the bulk of Pennsylvanians probably don't even know that. Don't even know that that's what the figure is. And most certainly, reaching out to young veterans. Young veterans is a key for our organization for the future. Uh, these young veterans that are coming back, these young student veterans are in school, and women veterans. Women veterans are taking more and more of a role, and in, in, even in our organization, you, you, we, we see more and more women, and they are they are just as dedicated and hardworking as any veterans group there is right now, and uh, uh, we need all of them. Uh, for our, it's not about now. It's about 10 years from now where we're going to be. And we have to start looking that far ahead. How does one join the VFW if they're a mind to? They can. You can call your local post. I'm sure their post commander or post quartermaster will most certainly welcome you in to uh, to become a member. It's a uh, it's a very short application. Uh, you will have to uh, uh, fill it out. They will ask you probably uh, uh, for a copy of your uh, DD two fourteen or uh, some traveling order or something. So. There's a verification that uh, you served. Most of the time, your DT-214 has all that stuff on it. But now you also can go to the national website, and that's www.dfw.org, and you'll see an icon there for, uh, to join the VFW, or it'll even help you pick out uh, VFW in the area. And I encourage everyone, go look at the VFWs in, the, in, in your area. And and see which one you think you'll fit in best, and that's the one that one. Well, I can remember when I was a child. Uh, one of the few memories I have that goes back that far was going to the VFW with my dad in Hackensack, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, was on yep, the Hackensack I, River, and the peanuts were free for me anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's what I used to do with my father. He took me to the VFW in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, and you know I wasn't allowed to sit at the bar. I had right. to sit back at the table, but he would buy me uh, chips or something. That, and the other patrons would buy me something that I'll bring it back to my table. You know what I mean? There you go. It was like a, going to a party. Well, Tom Hansis, uh, VFW State Commander of Pennsylvania, thanks a lot for your time. And, and we, hopefully this will do our little part to out to our listening area, which is we cover Wayne and Pike County, Pennsylvania, and uh, – the Southern Catskills, Sullivan County, New York. Well, you know, it's uh, it's an it's an honor to to serve as a department commander. It's um, I'm proud to be a member of the Veterans of Foreign Wars. We we strive to help veterans, veterans families in the communities we live in, and most certainly the BF Veterans of Foreign Wars motto: "No one does more for veterans." I think uh, it exemplifies exactly what we're about. Well, unfortunately, I can't join the VFW. I served overseas, but it was in Minot, North Dakota. And here in Pennsylvania, we do have uh, our social members and, you know, our auxiliary members. Uh, you know, and our auxiliary plays a very vital part in our organization also. Uh, the assistance of our auxiliaries uh, uh, to the regular VFW is, uh, is unquestioned uh, a, a tremendous valuable asset that we have in the uh, we, we appreciate all they do because they do a phenomenal job also. Well, Thomas, you have a great afternoon. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. And that was Thomas Hansis, State Commander of VFW in Pennsylvania. Wish to acknowledge the following people and organizations that made this show possible. Jeff Legg, Director of Wayne County Veterans Affairs. Tom Hansis, State Commander of Pennsylvania VFW. The Military Times, the New York Times, USA Today, and countless others. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Vets. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them on the air, both in our normal public service announcement segments and this program. You can drop us a line at feedback at wjffradio.org or vets at wjffradio.org. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 845-431-6500. Until next time, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. Company dismissed.
Support comes from you and from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. Support comes from Platform Industries, full-service screen printing and embroidery, platformindustries.com. This is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233 